the Apollo Podcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I am one of your hosts, Chris McGeehy. You can find me on Twitter at Chris B. McGeehy. Joining me this week, as he always does, is my co-host, the founder of Apollo Media, the man himself, Mr. Apollo Dez. You can follow him on Twitter at Apollo Dez One. Dez, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. It's conference play. We're heating up, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk college football with you, bro. Absolutely, man. I, I do think that maybe we should start out by apologizing to our viewers um we had some technical difficulties um in in getting the uh the review pod from last week out so we do apologize for that guys we will correct those issues going forward uh des uh man i you know we've we've been starting off the the last couple of weeks by looking at you know the top 25 and kind of running through it Instead of going through all of the teams this week, uh, there's a couple of teams that I want to touch on. Not so much uh, because I want to talk about their ranking, but rather it'll allow us uh, an overall feel, uh, you know, for for what they're looking like in the early part of the season. I mean, we are going into week four. I mean, for most of these teams, you know, this is going to, you know, a quarter of the season is going to be done after this week. So I think it's, I think that provides us a good spot to take you know, a measure of some of these teams. So I, I really wanted to look at some of the people who were moving up and down the polls significantly. And I think that starts with us talking about Penn State. They are now 3-0 and with wins over Wisconsin and a ranked Auburn team. And they are up to number six in the polls. And for the rest of the season, they've got – um, they're at Iowa on October the 9th. Then they've got to travel to Columbus to face the Buckeyes on October the 30th. And they're home for Michigan and then on the road for Michigan State to close out the season. Big picture. How are you feeling about Penn State, man? Are you are you buying in or are you still a bit hesitant on them? I think I'm all in now. Um, just with what you said, the big win against Wisconsin, the win against Auburn, even though um, I think Auburn – lost that game more than Penn State won that game, you have to tip your cap to Penn State, right? They they did the thing. They did the right things. Um, that game actually could have been a, a blowout because they had a pick six that was dropped, um, that the linebacker had a walk-in um, touchdown. And the thing, everyone listening, I had the over for the game, and we were one one literally one point short of that, so we didn't hit that bet. But I remember the Penn State linebacker juggling the ball with no one around him and would have only had to run 15 yards in for a touchdown. Um, then you had, which I think is kind of the most, um, what rubs me the wrong way watching college football is when college coaches either turtle up or they try to outthink or outsmart the other coach when it's kind of all right there. And if you watch that primetime game, you had um, Penn State's defense who was actually playing pretty good man coverage throughout the throughout the game is when they were getting picked apart when they went zone and Harson on fourth down it was first to go off the 10 and Auburn ran just four plays in a row that you just would never think Carson would ever call and they did and the last call they, they threw a jump ball yep. into the end zone a fade route that was nowhere close like the ball literally went out of the back of the end zone never gave the guy a chance I think they were just trying to get a, a penalty and Penn State survives, right? You had the whiteout, you had the crowd going, electric, electric energy and passion from the fans, and you had a big time national television win. And now you're you're in the driver's seat, right? You your whole season right in front of you. The playoff is right in front of you, and you have to give Franklin props. We talked about it. He was rumored for the USC job. He didn't deny it. We were talking about is that going to mess with the locker room or not? And the guys just put their head down once to work, and they won a big game. And I got to give them props, and I'm buying – I'm probably buying late into Penn State, but I'm buying today. All right, that's fair. I want to jump to another team that is slowly but kind of steadily working their way up the polls here, and that's Ole Miss. They are up another four spots this week. They're sitting at 3-0, and uh, number 13 in the polls. 
um, you know, started this season near the bottom of the rankings. I mean, and they they haven't really played a real team yet. I mean, Louisville is their toughest test, but even then it's not exactly like Louisville is an elite team, but it's not even so much about who Ole Miss is playing. It's that they are absolutely destroying anybody that they're put on the field with. I mean, this, this offense in particular, Jesus Christ, man, I, what do you make of it as we, as you mentioned earlier, we're starting to get into conference play. Ole Miss is going to have Alabama next week, I believe. Um, should should fans temper their expectations for the Rebels? I say believe. You say, I say believe. I say believe. You have Matt Quarrel. He could be a Heisman candidate. He may be in New York. Um, he's been putting up numbers. He, I talked to Lance Zerline on Twitter, and we're talking about just the step he took this year from, from last year as a quarterback. And I feel like last year is more of a gunslinger, and this year he he it seems like he's a quarterback right now. Obviously, we're three weeks in. It's very early. I'm telling the Ole Miss Rebels to believe because you have that guy at the quarterback position. You got Kiffin just being Kiffin, right? He's always gonna he's always gonna put up points. But that defense, that defense is is kind of coming together and gelling. And I talked about it a couple episodes ago that the they got that Iowa State model, and it it really puts you in this position where the Venus flytrap, where you just kind of get your 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 own self in in trouble and mistakes. And I think that's what Ole Miss has to do in the SEC. Yes, there's Georgia. Yes, there's Florida. Yes, there's Alabama. Yes, there's Texas A&M. But if you can just play a, a, a defense and a philosophy where, hey, we're just going to bend, don't break, and we're going to let the other person uh, make mistakes, more times than not, that's actually going to play out. So I'm going to tell the Ole Miss faithful right now to believe because I think it's a perfect storm right now for the Rebels. Okay, we're about to move on, uh, but I, I want to ask you real quick. So um, they, they do play Alabama next week. They're in Tuscaloosa, but Ole Miss has a bye week this week to get ready for that game. With everything that you've seen this season, honest prediction, gut feeling, we're going to touch on this game, of course, next week as we're, as we're headed into that weekend. But the way that things sit right now after seeing that Alabama performance against Florida that had some positives, had some negatives. It's still Alabama. Does Ole Miss have a shot at winning against Alabama next week? Uh, last week, I would have said hell no, but Alabama just survived in the swamp. And Florida, I do not think, is as good as Ole Miss on the X's and O's. I think Dan Mullen may be a better head coach than Kiffin all around. But I think – I think Ole Miss has a chance. I, I think they're going to cover. I think being a week off is going to help them. They don't have a tough SEC opponent where they're beat up and have to have a quick turnaround and, and play Alabama at Alabama. That's always tough. We know that, right? Yep. But I think they have to have a little belief. They can watch that Florida film for about two weeks and 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 take the good things that happened in that game in the swamp. and Name, Namely the second half performance. Correct. Because it was a blowout in the first half. Yep. Um, I think you just put it – I think at the end of the day, if I'm playing Alabama, you're just saying, Bryce Young beat me. Bryce Young, you have to beat me tonight. I'm not going to let the five, five-star five running backs go for 250, 300 yards. I'm not going to let that happen. We're going to stack the box, and Bryce beat us with your arm. And if you beat us with the arm, hey, tip your cap. You're Alabama. That's what you're supposed to do. And I think that may be the model. All it's right. just in the short term. That's obviously, fair, man. obviously, uh, Bill O'Brien and and Nick Saban, they're all going to adjust throughout the week. And but yep. I think you can just go, hey, beat us, Bryce. I, I do think that what helps Ole Miss here too, uh, if, if we're being completely honest, is that they're catching Alabama as early in the season as they are, because you you have to know that with Saban and. To an extent, I guess, Bill O'Brien, even though he gives me absolutely no confidence. Um, the longer the season goes on, the better they're going to have this team tuned up. And so if you catch Alabama late in the season, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to beat them than it's going to be in week five. All right, man. Um, so uh, let me let me ask you this just real quick before 
um, before we get into this, but you claim to be a UT fan, yeah? Yes. Okay. Well, that I've actually been doubting just a little bit because the next team that I want to talk about is what I think is maybe actually your favorite team, and that's the big boys at BYU. I, I may be – I may convert to becoming a Mormon, I guess, because – they're they're doing the damn thing. Look, man, they're up another eight spots this week. They're sitting at number 15 in the polls. They've got wins over a ranked Utah, a ranked Arizona State. And the schedule for them, I, they're done with the hard part of it, dude. Yeah. I mean, they, they've got South Florida. They've got Boise State at Baylor, at Washington State. They've got Virginia Idaho State, Georgia Southern, and then at USC, who doesn't even have a head coach. I mean, with what we've seen from them so far, they've handled really what should be the only two tests on the schedule. I mean, I really thought that Utah was going to win that game, if we're being completely honest. And BYU came out, scored a a nine-point win against them. And I could we be looking at a BYU playoff team when this is all said and done? They might be. I, I, I say that because I, mean, I Oregon, think Oregon's still going to be there waiting. Correct. But I think there's going to be a. I think there'll be multiple two lost teams in the playoff this year. I just don't. I don't. Clemson has issues. Alabama got pushed to the limit early. Um, Georgia may be the most well-rounded team in the country, but they still have to go through the SEC gauntlet. Oregon may be undefeated, uh, but BYU could be undefeated. I, I just – I don't know. I, I feel like this team is playing with a lot of confidence, and we saw it on Saturday night, and I was in Scottsdale, and I will tell you that the entire city was throughout the day, had a ton of energy, a ton of anticipation and excitement for the game. And what BYU did to – ASU on the field, which was a literal punch. A little, we saw it with the the guy running down on a, on an interception. The running back running down the field eighty yards and punching the ball out, causing a fumble, and BYU getting the ball back. That changed it all. I'm telling you, in this city itself, the entire city just collectively just let off this groan, and the energy was never there after that. And I just think BYU is a team that's just gonna gonna be there at the end. I I, I hate to. I guess I'm right on this. I didn't think I was going to be right, but <laughs> I guess I'm going to be right on this. Uh, we're going to have to rename the Twitter handle like the big boys of BYU podcast yeah. or something like that. I mean, if BYU wants to send us some gear, they can they can send us some gear. All right, man. Look, I'm going to I'm going to jump over Arkansas because we are going to discuss Arkansas uh, in a bit. And I, there's one more team that is on their way up the up the standings that I want to talk about before we get to some of the teams that are falling. And that is Michigan. I, people hate talking about them. People hate, hate how much the media talks about them. And yet they're sitting at three and oh, they're working their way up the polls. The offense looks like they might finally have one under Jimmy Boy. Um, but obviously, their toughest tests of the season are still to come. So they're, they're going to be at Wisconsin at some point. They're at Michigan State this season, at Penn State. And then they get Ohio State at home to close it out. I mean, it's not exactly a cupcake schedule from here on out. So, is this one team that, even though they're they're slowly rising, are you selling? I guess. What was your final verdict on it? Look, here, here's the thing. I we have so much recent history of them ultimately disappointing. Then, until I see something otherwise. I'm just going to I'm going to believe that they're going to falter at some point. And I know that sounds harsh, but please believe me that when I say even that 2019 LSU team, you know, I, I talk about them way too much on this pod, but I'd been through so many years of heartbreak against Alabama in a row that I was absolutely pessimistic about that. And it did not matter how good Burrow looked against UT. It didn't matter how good he looked against a team like Ole Miss until I saw the big win against Alabama. I had zero faith in that season because I had seen that story play out too many times. And I feel the same way about Michigan right now. Until I see them, you know, take care of 
Michigan State convincingly until I see them handle Penn State on the road and and go into that Ohio State showdown undefeated at the end of the season. Until I see that happen, I'm just not going to believe that it's going to happen. So I'm going to tell you this. I don't think Michigan even beats Wisconsin in two weeks. I just – that, I that's fair. That's I don't fair. believe in them. It, it, it's it's every year, every year they're gonna. It, and it feels like they're the Texas of the North. Is Michigan back? Is Michigan back? Harbaugh can never beat Ohio State. That's his. That's his boogeyman, right? And then he can never win these other games to get there. And they've been saying it for. Like, I feel like he's almost been there. What a decade now? I just. I'm not believing. I'm selling. I'm a seller on him. I just. Let I, me let me ask you this: Do you change your mind if they beat Wisconsin, or do you want to see something beyond that? Yeah, I mean, if they if if they went in into Madison and hand like handled Wisconsin, um, it would it would change my mind a little bit. But I just don't see them going into that Ohio State game. I I think they'll have two to three losses before they All even right. play Ohio State. All right, man. Um, we got a couple that are dropping down the polls here that I want to just hit on real quick. Clemson and Ohio State they both continue to drop despite continuing to win their games. Um, obviously, they both have the one loss. I really think that despite the fact that they're dropping, I think that's more of a byproduct of the other teams ahead of them just not losing at this point as opposed to the the pollsters really not believing in those two teams. Uh, admittedly, they, they've both obviously exhibited flaws in in the losses that they've had this season and even in some of the other games for, for these teams. Um, Ohio State, their, their run defense just seems to be non-existent. Clemson is, I, I guess, the best way to describe Clemson is sporadic at this point. But the teams that you have ahead of them, you've got Alabama and Georgia who are going to have to play each other at some point. If it comes to it, Iowa and Penn State are going to have to play each other. Um, a, A&M is ranked above them. Obviously, in the SEC, they're going to get Alabama in a few weeks. I, there's going to be some teams ahead of them that ultimately will have to lose. So – are you worried about Clemson or Ohio State, either or, both, neither? Where do you stand on those right now? I think the best way I can describe right now is just neutral. Neutral. I think I just just, just go with neutral right now. For me, I just real quick, it's one of those where until they prove otherwise, have faith. Right. The exact opposite of Michigan. I mean, we've seen Dabo and we've seen Ryan Day and what they've done throughout – the seasons the last several years. So until we see another slip up from either one of them, just believe they'll be there at the end. I mean, I guess my question, my question to you, Chris, is do you think Day and Dabo are hitting the panic button that's on their desk? Do they do you think that obviously the notoriety, the, the program that they have, the talent, the five stars, all of that, but there's a I think they've been hit with a dose of reality that these quarterbacks aren't, you know, Fields and they're not Lawrence. Um, as respectfully, they both are your top talented guys at quarterbacks. They're just not, they're just not those guys. Yep. They're not the Phils, they're not the Lawrence. Do you think they're gonna have a, a come to Jesus moment before their second loss, potentially? Or right now they're like, okay, we just need we're we're a totally different team than what we thought we we're gonna be. Now we have to adjust. I, I think that if either one of them is gonna hit the panic button, it's gonna be Ohio State. Simply okay. because of who they still have on their schedule, I don't think either one of these coaches are the type of coaches to panic. But I mean, Clemson, I despite the fact that they have looked definitely beatable, I, obviously they've been beatable at least at certain points this season. They still play in the ACC, and we can't discount that. I mean, you know, for as much as we want to give early season hype to a team like North Carolina or. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, it was it was Duke making noise, you know, under David Cutcliffe. Uh, Clemson still plays in the ACC, man. They, they've got essentially all season to get it figured out, and that's what this is for them. This is, this is now essentially a uh, eight-game preseason for, for, uh, for Dabo and his boys, all because the only thing they're worried about is getting tuned up and making sure they're ready for the conference championship and potentially the playoffs after. For Day, he has a little bit of a harder path to get there. He's already got his loss. He's still got to play Penn State later on this season. Uh, again, that game's October the 30th. It's you know a little over a month away, but that's going to be a big showdown. And then he's going to end the season 
against Michigan State of Michigan. I do think that they can win both of those games, but that Penn State game is going to be a big one, man. If they if they lose to Penn State, that's the death knell. I mean, really, you know, if they lose another game, period, it's the death knell, but that's going to be the obviously the biggest one left on their schedule. Ohio State is currently um, – they've got a 70% chance to win according to ESPN's Football Power Index, so they're favored, but – by the time we get there, who knows? If Penn State keeps doing what they're doing, I mean, I I've I expressed to you last week how I felt about that Penn State team, and I'm not backtracking off of that yet. Um, got one more team that tumbled down the polls this week. That's UCLA. Dropped 11 mm-hmm. spots after their first loss of the season, uh, going all from 13th down to 24th. Uh, I mean, they lost by a field goal to Fresno. Not a big loss, but it is still Fresno. Do you think they bounce back and close the season out strong? I mean, the only ranked team they have left on their schedule right now is Oregon. That's October the 23rd. It will be um, – that game will be in Pasadena. So, you know, they get to, to welcome Oregon in, but uh, they're, they're not favored in that game. It shouldn't come as a shock, but uh, Oregon is favored in that one. So – Ultimately, do you think UCLA can make any noise throughout the season as anything other than a spoiler? Yeah, I think uh, they they are who we thought they were. Type situation happened when they when they yep. dropped that game to Fresno. Yep. Um, obviously, they they had beat your Tigers. They they had won games. We thought you know Chip Kelly and the Bajers back. He's he has that Oregon mojo again. You just can't let Fresno put that many points up on you and, and beat you the way they did. Um, obviously they could still run the table and they could be there at the, at the very end. It's just, it's, it's another program and another team led by a guy that I just cannot put my faith in them until they show me they're not who they thought they were because I could see this spiraling out of control and you know, wow, UCLA had another five, six losses this year. Yep. I would, you know, that's as well as they started off, that's where the, the floor could be. And until they prove that otherwise, I'm, I just can't believe in them. All right, Des, we have talked about the top 25 for hella long, a lot longer than we should have. So I think it's about time that we start talking about the games. And guys, we are going to do that right on the other side of this. Welcome back, guys, to the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I'm your host, Chris McGeehee. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris B. McGeehee. I'm here with my co-host, the biggest UT fan in the world, Mr. Apollo Dez. You can find him on Twitter at Apollo Dez one You can follow the socials at Road to Glory pod and at Apollo H-O-U. Des, we talked about the top 25. We talked about the risers. We talked about the fallers. Now it's time to get to the actual games, man. And I think we have to start with the first big matchup of the day. That is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish taking on the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, It's number 12 versus number 18. That game is in Soldier Field, actually. Technically a neutral site game, um, but currently – Wisconsin is a six and a half point favorite just off the top. What's going to be your focus in this game? Probably the defense, right? On and both sides? On both sides. Okay. Um, I, I think the, the biggest, as we go into this part of the season, I think, I think it's all going to be about defense and the adjustments, um, mid-game especially, because I think right now coming out of the COVID year and now fans are back, um, that early script by offensive coordinators are are a little bit more quicker than the defense. And, and I think these defensive coordinators, once it, it, they see the game starting to unfold a bit, they can position themselves to set their team up for uh, success. So I, I think that's what I'm looking for, Chris. I, I mean, look, you, you nailed it. I mean, when these when these defensive coordinators get a few weeks of game tape on film and can really, 
you know, study the rhythms of the opposing offense, the tendencies, what they like doing in certain situations. The more data points that you have, the easier it is to map out a game plan for yourself going forward. And I mean, Wisconsin's defense has looked very legit through two games. I mean, admittedly, it's only been two games, but you know, they, they obviously they lost Penn state, but they still only gave up 16. It was an, it was an ugly game to open up the season, rough them up, but uh, you know, then they bounce back and they, you know, they hold their next opponent to uh, I want to say it was six points, if I'm not mistaken. Um, their their problem is going to be on offense just because they they really haven't been able to get it going this season. I mean, they've uh, they scored 16. Or I'm sorry. They scored 10 against Penn State and they put up 34 against Eastern Michigan. But it's Eastern Michigan. I that doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence that they're going to be able to do, you know, the same thing against Notre Dame that they did against Eastern Michigan. Um, uh, one thing that we have to talk about here too is, is Notre Dame's quarterback, Jack Cohn. I mean, he was a badger. He, he went 12 and six as a starter for Wisconsin before ultimately transferring to the Irish. He knows the program. He's played with guys in that Wisconsin program and he said that it's going to be weird going up against his former teammates, but how much of an edge do you think that gives him going into this game? I think it gives him a big edge. I, I really do. And at the end of the day, I, I feel like I hate 11 a.m. starts. <laughs> I feel like this this game should they, be later on in the day. They always lead to what feels like lower scoring matchups. Right. It is, it, and then you have that Wisconsin D. I, I, obviously, we want no, I think we both know that Notre Dame just is they just want to go. They yep. don't want to get caught in the mud and and play that dirty game that Wisconsin wants to slow down, right? Yep. I think Notre Dame just wants to go, go, go and hope Wisconsin, you know, can just hang with them. In Madison, they're a touchdown favorite, six and a half favorite. Man, I just I think we'll know how this game's gonna play out by the first quarter. Is that a fair statement? If, if God, we see Notre Dame, I, if we see Notre Dame just have that tempo and, and they're moving the ball down the field, yes, yes, yes. Okay, in so in that. in that regard, you're 100 percent right. What I'm going to be curious about is if Notre Dame starts slow, if Wisconsin can oh. come out and and assert themselves on defense early on and really slow this game down for Notre Dame. That's when I'm going to really get interested because I'm going to want to see how how Notre Dame is going to be able to make mid-game adjustments and refine their rhythm on offense when it's not given to them immediately. You know, it's it's one of those things where you you come out, you want to get your quarterback a couple of easy throws, a couple of easy completions, get him in a rhythm, get your running back some early touches in space, let him get a feel for the defense. If they're not able to do that early on, how much is that going to affect them in the middle of the second quarter, coming out of halftime? It if Wisconsin can really assert their authority early on, it's going to make for a much more interesting game, I believe. But man, I mean, I, I mean, Jack won. He won sixty six percent of his games as a starter for Wisconsin. He was twelve and six. Yep. And, and he he talked about it. He said, you know, all his friends are going to be there. It's, it's going to feel weird. I I mean, as a competitor, and and I think all quarterbacks are kind of wired the same. Um, and I don't want to generalize all quarterbacks in the top 25 but they have that that special in fact they're not starting at a at a a blue blood or a top 25 institution they're not having that competitive gene i think jacks is going to be fired up and is wanting to go right and that could be a good thing or a bad thing it could be over and he could he could he could start selling some balls you know over the top and 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 just get all out of wax or he could come out like you said get them in some nice easy throws three or four short throws, get them in that rhythm, and then it's just go, 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 go. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's a if it's a advantage for him or not. I mean – I mean, we, we've seen it before. It, you know, if yes. a quarterback comes out too pumped and jacked, you know, and it's just – he's got the adrenaline going early on and coaches are having to beg him to calm down. Correct. Yeah. But I feel like Cone has seen enough game – He's obviously played in Wisconsin before. He's just never done it as an opposing starter. I think that he has the tools to do this. But the biggest X factor for me in this game, and, and something that I'm absolutely confused by, so I'm really hoping 
that you can help me out here is, okay, look, Notre Dame's 3-0, okay, but I'm confused about their running back, Kyron Williams, okay? Mm-hmm. So in each game this season, successively, his carries have gone down, but his efficiency is doing nothing but going up, okay? So in the game against FSU to open up the season, he gets 18 carries, only gets 42 yards, adds another six catches for 83, showing his dual threat capabilities in terms of rushing and receiving. But it's 24 touches, 125 yards, it's 5.2 yards per touch, okay? Then we go to Toledo. He has 16 for 78 and a touchdown, adds another three catches for 25 yards. It's 19 for 103 total, 5.4 yards per touch, okay, going up just a little bit. And then last week, he really finds his rhythm. 12 rushes, 91 yards and a touchdown, adds another two catches for 47 yards and another touchdown against Purdue. That makes 14 touches in that game for 138 yards. That's damn near 10 yards every time he touched the ball. For as much as I believe in Cone and what he can do with his arm, I really think that if Notre Dame wants to be successful against against Wisconsin, they're going to need all of their best players making plays, and I think that means increasing Williams' touches and getting him going early and often, man. If they can get the Purdue-Williams in this game, I don't think it's particularly close. But if they continue to throttle him, if they – you know, if they're if they're continuing on this trajectory where I mean every game he's losing five touches, going from 24 to 19 to 14, he's gonna be down to nine touches in this game. I they could be screwed. I, I just hope the coaches realize enough to get out of their own way here, is all I'm saying. Do you think is this gonna be an instance of where the pass opens up the run for Williams, where you get Jack in that in that rhythm and you're hitting mm-hmm. stuff and so Obviously, my first thought is Wisconsin is going to stack the box, right? Yep. They're going to make Jack beat them, whether one-on-one or over the top, and they're going to continue to take Williams out of the play. And do you almost like – it's almost it's, obviously it's a chess match, but like I feel like Brian Kelly and um, former quarterback, who's their OC now over there, I can't remember his name right now, um, I, I, I really feel like the pass should open up the, the run here. And then you have Williams in the second half just kind of wear him down because you've you've ran so many plays in the first half. I I think this is one of the might be one of the best games we're gonna have on the slate, to be honest. I even with even with the lame love and aim kick. Tommy Reese, I believe, is the OC. I think he just finally came to me. I wish I could argue with you, man, because you know, this could be first take. We could be just yelling at each other for 45 straight minutes, and that'd be a hell of fun. But I've got to agree with you, but I want to give you a little caveat here. Not only Do I think you're right? I want to drill down a little bit further, and I think that the thing here is going to be Jack completing passes in the middle of the field. Yes. Because if he can condense that Wisconsin defense down, make those linebackers hesitate before going out wide, if if they can collapse that Wisconsin defense into the middle of the field and then get Williams out on the outside, he's going to be able to do so much more damage. And I, agree. I, I don't know how Wisconsin is going to come out in this game. You know, I don't, I don't, I, they, you talked about it. They could stack the box depending on how things shift throughout the game. I mean, we, if he gets going early and often, we could see two high looks out of Wisconsin. And if that's the case, it's going to help Williams out tremendously. Yeah. So he'll, he'll cook then for sure. I, I do think – let me ask you this. Should Notre Dame be worried? And the reason why I ask this is because we've talked about it. They've got Wisconsin this week, but then next week they've got number eight Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati's week, licking their chops, right? Uh, oh, 100%. Uh, you know, you, you've got – I'm sure there's probably some data points to disprove this, but you always want to get an opponent after they're coming out of a game against a team like Wisconsin or a team like Alabama or a team that's just going to beat the hell out of you. And – if Notre Dame does come out of this against Wisconsin and then they have to face Cincinnati, I mean, they're primed for a disappointing game or oh, like next week's a trap week of all trap weeks. But here's the thing. If they come out of this against Wisconsin and then manage it against Cincinnati too, you want to talk about a jump in the rankings. Oh, I, I mean, and the committee may put them in the, the top four instantly I, between them being Notre Dame 
And them having at that point, potentially a better resume than just about anybody in the country to that point, you wouldn't even really be able to argue with them. You couldn't. Yeah. All right, man. So, Oh, on this game, the over under is currently listed at 46 and a half. So I've got to ask you two things. Number one, who wins? Number two, you going over under there. I'm a overs. I'm a overs horse. So I'm going to say overs because they never die um, as much. I'm not going to bet it, but um, and I think Notre Dame's going to win. I just, All right, Notre just Dame think, wins, and you're going over. Yeah, All I'm not right, confident man. on it, but since you put me up to it, well, uh, I think you're right that Notre Dame wins. But we've talked about this 11 a.m. kick enough that uh, man, I'm going under. I, I think this is like a like a 24-17 kind of game. Yeah, I, that's, that's – it feels like it's going to be one of those ugly games, right? Absolutely. But you know what? Whoever comes out of it will be better for it. A win is a win. That's it. That's all that matters. All right, Des, we've got another game that we want to touch on here very shortly. Uh, we are going to do that right after this, guys. Welcome back, everybody, to the Road to Glory podcast presented by Apollo Media. I'm your host, Chris McGeehy. You can just call me Chris. We're friends now. And I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Apollo Dez. You can find him on Twitter at Apollo Dez one And y'all aren't friends yet. You still got to call him Apollo Dez. okay? Show some respect, guys. All right, Dez, we've touched on the top 25 rankings. We've touched on... Number 12, Notre Dame at number 18, Wisconsin. But it is now time to talk about and finish this podcast off with what I think is going to personally probably be my favorite game of the weekend. And that is the number seven Texas A&M Aggies against the number 16 Arkansas Razorbacks. This game is your 230 SEC on CBS game with the one and only incomparable, insufferable Gary Danielson. Okay. This game is in AT&T Stadium, home of the Cowboys. I, there's a lot to like about this matchup, but currently AM is a five and a half point favorite against Arkansas. And just off the top, before we dive too deep here, how do you feel about that line, Des? The last, time, as much as last, I do? the last time there was a five-and-a-half uh, road favorite, uh, that was my Longhorns in Arkansas. So um, I just had a little bit of PTSD right there. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like <laughs> it at all. <laughs> all right, man. Look, this is I, – I don't, I don't think it's a stretch to say, and I don't think it's unfair to say that this is AM's first real test of the season. I mean, first test period. I don't even want to say real test. I mean, they they got Kent State, they got Colorado, and they got the University of New Mexico. They're 3-0. It's to be expected. They came in as, you know, a, a preseason, one of the preseason favorites. And they've, while it's looked ugly at times, especially against Colorado, they've done exactly what they were supposed to do thus far in the season. Correct. The bigger storyline here is Arkansas. They, and I know you're going to hate this part, but you know, we have to talk about it. They come into the season, the butt of all of the SEC jokes. They've been bottom of the barrel in the SEC for God knows how long at this point. They come out, they get a win against Rice, and everybody goes, ho-hum, it's Rice. Then they play your UT Longhorns in week two, and they win by damn near 20 points. Okay, we saw that game. We talked about that game. And you think, okay, was it a one-off? Then they come out and they destroy Georgia Southern last week. I mean, their offense has looked good. And it really seems to me personally like they're poised to pull the upset here. I'm Keys to the game, things to watch, whatever you want to call this segment, Des. I mean, with Arkansas – Everything is so new to a lot of these fans out here because Arkansas is not a team that is on national TV every week. What should we be looking for in this game? So the the, the first few things that come to my mind is the Texas AM defense is 
super elite, probably a uh, top five defense in the country, um, which pains me to say that. But look at me. I'm an unbiased national media college football journalist. I, I could put my bias aside and say that. One of the two. Few. One of the few. Two is you have a quarterback who was thrown into a game against Colorado, um, looked terrible. Had a, had a bounce back week last week against, you know, the cupcakes of the Southwest. And then now you're on the road again against this Arkansas defense that they do a lot of three, three high safeties. They fly around. Um, they do these, they do the little things, right? Barry Odom has his guys coached up. Jalen Catalan is the, probably the best safety in the country. He flies around all over the place. Um, how's, how is that, new quarterback going to handle that. But I think AM's defense can keep them in this game because what we saw, what Arkansas did versus Texas is dominate the line of scrimmage offensively and defensively. And offensively, they they ran the rock for damn near 300 yards, I believe. Almost four. I don't know. I put the yep. game away. I Look, buried it deep in my subconscious. Already. Arkansas across three games is averaging over 280 yards rushing. Now it's it's a it's almost like a, an unmovable object meets an un, unstoppable force happening right now. You have this A and M defense that is a rock, and you have this Arkansas running game that has just been running all over everyone in the country that they played. And so you're going to have that. And usually, I'm going to give the upper hand to the defense. So that means can can Arkansas throw the ball and and win an ugly game in the air. And I don't know if they're capable of doing that. I really don't. Now, Calzada has enough weapons around him that Jimbo has has went out and recruited and has a chance to, you know, just maybe get one or two more passes than um, Arkansas, and they win the game. I think the I think what A&M has to do, they have to get Spiller going and Achon going, but I think – not in the sense of running the ball, but out in space, getting the guys on, on swing routes, getting them on those little Texas routes, getting them out in space. And that may, that moves Jalen Catalan up towards the linebackers. Then now you can go over the top and get a one-on-one. Um, I think that's what AM has to do. Arkansas, I just think they have to weather the storm. I think they're going to have to commit to the run and stay with the run. Even if it's one or two run gains, I think they just have to keep doing it and keep believing because that's what's gotten them. Here. That's what's got Arkansas to the 16th team in the country in 3-0 is toting the rock. So I think they just have to commit to it and not um, not stray away. Because if they become one-dimensional, that AM defense can perk their ears up, and then it's just uh, going to be a blood bloodbath. So I think they have to commit to the run. I, I think if Arkansas didn't upset Texas, then AM could get tripped up here. But I think Jimbo has these guys – um, ready for that. Now, I, I, I still think AM's going to have one or two losses down the road because they're probably going to play some better aerial offenses um, and they just can't keep up with that. But I think this is this is a matchup that's kind of tailor-made for AM because they don't want you to go out and throw 40 times. I think they want you to run and run and run. That's what Arkansas is going to do. You gave us a lot there. I did. Uh, and <laughs> there's so many things that I want to touch on that you've talked about. And one of the first things that you that you started talking about was the line play for both of these teams. And I've got the note here that if AM's line does not come ready to play from the opening kick, the Razorbacks could jump out to an early lead, man. And if they jump out to an early lead with their ability to run the ball, I mean, AM cannot afford to fall behind by a couple of early scores here. If they do, game might be over. Um, I, I do think that one of the most intriguing aspects of this game to me, and it it seems very cliche to say, but it's the quarterback play for both teams, but it's for different reasons. I mean, let's start with AM, okay? Um with Haynes King, the offense looked kind of lethargic, especially against Colorado and once King went down and, you know, you never wish for injury for anybody, but uh, Calzada, uh, A&M's quarterback, Zach Calzada, uh, he, he comes in and instantly, I mean, at least to me, it looks like he's provided a bit of a spark to this offense 
And he's shown me enough thus far that, I mean, I, I think you got to leave him in as the quarterback for now, even if King comes back healthy. I Until he gives you a reason to pull him, I think that this offense is responding better to Calzada right now. And I'd be interested to see what he continues to do. That's really the the one missing component for this AM team right now is, is quarterback. It, we've talked about it with some of the other teams this season, but as you mentioned, AM, they have the defense, they have the weapons around the quarterback, they've got the line play. If they get the quarterback situation figured out, they can challenge. If they misstep here, and, and pick the wrong guy and dig their heels. And if Jimbo Fisher believes in his guy to his detriment, it's the end of their season. And I know that sounds dramatic, but in the world of college football, uh, that's what it can boil down to. On the other side, with Arkansas, small sample size so far, but K.J. Jefferson, Arkansas's quarterback, I – He's looked like a dude, man. I, he's he's not slinging the rock everywhere. I mean, they're only averaging just a little over 200 yards passing um, per game, but he's got good size. He's 6'3", 245 pounds. He can use his legs when needed to you know, pick up chunks of yards, keep plays alive, grab you a first down here and there, but he's not a quarterback that immediately looks to scramble. I've had my fair share of those types of quarterbacks before. I hated watching them. Um, and, but he's also had some really nice throws. I mean, there was a play and obviously I know it was against Georgia Southern, but, uh, you know, he had a, he had a wide receiver isolated, uh, down on the right-hand side, one-on-one with a quarterback. Uh, there was supposed to be what looked like safety help over the top, but, um, safety bit on, uh, on the, on the draw, came up just a little too much. And when his wide receiver got a step beyond the corner, I mean, he put the ball up there, man. And it was, he dropped it in a bucket from, it was a 60 yard touchdown. And I think 50 of those were in the air. And I mean, he put it dead ass on the receiver. I hit him in stride. It was a beautiful throw. He doesn't have to be a hero against AM. But if he can make plays like that just a few times throughout the game when they need it, I mean, that could be the difference maker. They've got the run game. They've got line and play on run. both sides. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's one of those things where you don't want him trying to, to scramble 20 different times a game. But, you know, if, if you've got a third and three and and everybody's covered up, swallowed up by the defenders uh, on this great A&M defense, he's the kind of guy that can get you what you need. Yeah. I think you're. I think you nailed it. I think it's gonna be a damn good game. Um, it's almost like can Arkansas not get in their own way? This I feel like it. It's a trap in that sense where if Arkansas tries to do too much, then they can get spun in, in a in this web they don't want to be in. And then on the other end as well, you have Calzada if he comes out. And the the thing that that I'll disagree with you. I think it's Haynes King's team because really Calzada, it just, he only throws the ball at like 150 miles an hour. Like he has no touch over the middle. (laughs) Like he can't, like I, I feel bad for the A&M running backs and and the tight ends and some of those inside slobbers because he just guns it in there. And if he figures that out, the, the, that touch and and all the throws a quarterback is supposed to do in a Jimbo offense, a Jimbo offense is very tough to, to navigate and work through. We've seen it wherever he's gone. He, you have to know the playbook through and through. It doesn't matter if you're a five-star and the number one recruit in the country until you know his playbook, whether you're a running back, a receiver, a tight end or a quarterback, you're not going to touch the field. And I don't, I think that's, that was a big thing that Haynes King, also beat out Calzada on is he understood the entirety of the playbook and Calzada maybe didn't or didn't have the ability to maximize Jimbo's playbook. So it's going to be interesting. It's, it's a, it's a real um, watermark test for both programs. I a hundred percent agree. Des it's time to get out of here, man. I, I cannot thank you enough for these discussions on the games that we've got coming up this weekend. Before we go, I just got a couple of quick things. Number one, uh, 
Texas. They get Texas Tech this weekend, an 11 a, an 11 a.m. kick in DKR. Do you win? Yes, we have okay. to. All right, cool. I'll I, be there. If not, I, I'll be crying. But, I have yeah. faith in you, man. Uh, listen, if, if we if Des isn't on the pod uh, for the review, you guys know why. You know what happened. You don't even you have to look happened. up the Texas score, okay? Uh, Des, can you also do me a favor and uh, just – can, can you let Stoney know that I sent this message, please, <laughs> for this coming up weekend? Yes, I will. I will make sure Stoney, our Mississippi State guy, uh, gets that little message you just yep. sent him. LSU is at Mississippi State this weekend in Davis Wade Stadium down in Starkville. That is an 11 a.m. kick. I have a very small wedding to attend yeah. at 10 o'clock in the morning. A 10 o'clock wedding? Look, man. It, very social conscious uh, bride okay. and groom here. Uh, they didn't even want to invite anybody to the wedding. It turns out there's all of like eight people invited total. Okay. Uh, so if I don't show up, it's going to be very, it's gonna be very noticeable. conspicuous. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to, of the other seven invitees, I am going to try to hide behind one of them and turn my phone on. But Jesus Christ, they just had to have the wedding on LSU's first 11 o'clock game of the season. Who, I mean, State. it should be illegal to have weddings. There's not on even Saturdays a, there's the not even a reception. Yes. I, it's it should be illegal. It, I I if I ever run for president, I that's my first. That, that's my the first platform. Thing. Yeah, platform. No fall Saturday weddings. Moment. I will office. carry the South. That I will that's carry the executive the order. Yes. All right, man. Des, we are both either going to be. Very I'm worried. happy after I'm this worried. weekend. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried. Um, man, you know what? I'm gonna talk to you come Monday, and we're gonna we're gonna look back at the games this weekend, and I think it'll be a fun time because I think we're gonna have some fun games this weekend. So, Absolutely. Des, as always, man, it was a pleasure talking college football with you, guys. Once again, you can follow us on the socials. I'm at Chris B McGee. Des is at Apollo Des One. Uh, the pod socials we have at Road to Glory Pod, and that is presented by Apollo Media. You can follow that account at Apollo HOU. Thank you guys, as always, for listening, and we will be back with you Monday morning. Have a great weekend, guys. Love you guys.